0: Were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. There came wise men from the east, saying, Where is he that is born King of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him.
1: Well, good morning, Trinity Church. Glad to hear you're wide awake. Sorry about my water bottle. (laughs) Hey, my name is Doug. I get the pleasure of being the interim pastor here at Trinity Church. And uh, as Nicolette mentioned, today is the start of our Christmas season. And personally, I am really excited about what God is going to teach us about the traditional Christmas story. But in reality, it's actually more than a story. It's many stories. It's about different voices of individuals like Mary and Joseph or uh, the wise men or the shepherds. And and what I think God wants to remind us of this Christmas season is that these stories of these people are very much like our stories. They're down-to-earth, real uh, people just like us who encountered the transforming miracle of God's presence, and the reorienting of their lives and their purposes to what God had in mind, to His purposes and to His plan. And for every one of them, each of them experienced a moment of of personal radical change, uh, from being ordinary to extraordinary, from being uh, mundane to uh, miraculous, really. And uh, in fact, I'd like to take a look at their faces once again, so we're going to put the slide back up there on the screen. And I really like the bumper video that Chris chose for us this Christmas season because it directs our thoughts to the voices of these people, the voices of Christmas. So we're going to see Mary and Joseph. This week we take a look at Mary in particular. And then the shepherds and then the wise men. Which, by the way, we all know the wise men were not there at the birth, right? They came two years later from Baghdad to Bethlehem. Uh, but we've included them here because we didn't want the uh, bumper video to be two years long. So uh, there they are for us. We just have to realize that isn't how it happened. So this Christmas season, we get the privilege of sitting at their feet and, and listening to their story. We get to hear the bird's eye view of how they experienced it firsthand and, and feel their raw emotions about what God was doing in their lives because you have to realize These people are not just uh, front yard images, they're real life people who had purpose and dreams in their lives, things that God set aside for something even greater. And that's really what we want to dive into uh, this Christmas season. All of the change, the rawness of conforming to God's incredible purposes, and honestly folks, it was unsettling for them, to say the least, and so we have to begin to think that way. For instance, when God's angel materialized in front of Mary, her knee-jerk reaction, as we're going to look at it uh, this morning, was to feel pure terror and unnerving anxiety. It says she was deeply troubled at what God was doing in her hearts, in her heart. When the angelic uh, choir exploded into the night around the, the shepherds, uh, their instinctive response. Uh, was bewildered shock and rattled uncertainty. What what is going on? They had never seen anything like that. When the wise men first noticed the shifting of the celestial stars and planets in the skies, uh, they were deeply puzzled and they were clearly baffled. What is God doing? And, And they felt this sense of radical reorientation of their lives. So as we hear the Christmas story this season, or stories... I hope and pray that they will uh, open up for us a totally new and and fresh way of looking at Christmas and at what God wants to do in our lives. Because, folks, here's the truth of it. As we go into the Christmas season, God wants to reorient us in the same way he did them. Those everyday, run-of-the-mill people just like us, God wants to invade our reality and take us to a place of great blessing, of great good. So as we get into these stories, I really hope that we will listen to their voices. And as we do, we're going to receive guidance from God on how to feel less fearful and anxious at the unexpected. We're going to become more awestruck over God's purposes in our lives. That's Mary's story. We're going to uh, become less shocked by change, and and, uh, we will uh, be able to adjust to unpredictable norms. That's the story of the shepherds. We'll be more ready to share with others at a moment's notice what God is doing um, for us and and through those changes and adjustments. And as we listen to the wise men, we will be invited to feel less isolated from the world and removed from its cares. We will be um, invited to become more engaged in in bringing our giftedness to um, people and perspective to people who really need to see God's bigger picture. And that's what the wise men did for us. So... This morning, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, would you open to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at Mary's story in verses 26 through 38. Before we do that, and as you're uh, opening your Bibles, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we've come together this morning to begin a season of joy, a season of reflection, a season of celebration of what you have done in bringing Jesus Christ, the Son of God, into our world And um, allowing him to live among us in such a way that we look at his life and we not only see an example uh, of what it means to live, but we also see the love of God. We see uh, your desire to bring us back into relationship to yourself. Father, you you sent Jesus to redeem us from the way of the world, from the darkness of our own lives, to bring us into a place of being blessed by you. And so, Father, as we get into these stories uh, this morning. We pray that you would open our hearts and minds to hear your words to us because you want to change us just like you changed them. And Father, we'll admit that we tend to want to cling to our plans and hold on to our purposes and say, no, this is my life. But Lord, as we recognize what you want to do, we find it is so much greater. And um, so much more full of richness. And we pray that we would accept that this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. So Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and following, I'm reading out of the ESV this morning. Begins this way. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, Let it be to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. Mary's encounter with God turned her plans for her life on its head, just in a moment. And it teaches her this great lesson about engaging with God's purposes and will. And her story teaches us several things as well. So you notice if you have your notes out this morning... We'll also put it on the screen. There are a number of things that God teaches Mary that he wants us to understand as well. And the first is, God has purposes beyond our plans. And he invites us to join him in them. God truly has purposes for you and for me, just as he did for Mary, that are beyond what we can understand or comprehend. They're not even on our radar screens. But he invites us to join him in them. So if you look back at verse 26, you find that it says... There's a timetable here. It says, in the sixth month. Now, we should pause and say, uh, of what? The sixth month of what? Because every time we mention this type of uh, time frame, it has a context, right? We might say, well, in the sixth month of my car payments. or, Or in the sixth month of the year, June. But you notice we don't have that context yet. It just says, in the sixth month. So what is it? That God is referring to. He's saying, well, it's in the sixth month of God's purposes. In the sixth month of what God was doing, this pregnancy for her cousin Elizabeth, the six months of development, fetal development for John, who would become John the Baptist. In the sixth month of God's purposes, this angel comes to Mary and says, God has a curveball for you that He's going to pitch over your plate. And Mary, it's going to seem like this context has very little to do with your life. But in reality, it has everything to do with God's purposes for you. So pay attention. Interestingly, God didn't consult Mary before making this announcement. That would have been nice, right? (laughs) Mary, I know you have plans for your life. You're engaged to your sweetheart, Joe, and and you're planning to get married. But no, the plan is you're going to bear a child apart from Joe, and he's going to be the Messiah. And hopefully, Joe will be on board with that. But even if he's not, Mary, this is what God wants for you. Let me ask you this morning, what are your purposes for life? We sit here this morning, and we all have plans. We all have things on our calendars that we're looking forward to. What are your purposes for your life? Perhaps as a high school senior, it's to graduate and to move into everything else that God has in store for you. And that's your purpose in life. It may be that as a young couple, you're looking forward to starting a family. That's on the, uh, the schedule, the agenda for maybe some near time in the near future. As a business person, you may be saying, I'm going to expand my business in the square footage of, of where I have my operations, or I'm going to move into another state as well and expand. Are you working to get a grant fund for a really big project at work? That's, that's really dominating your calendar. Are you thinking of moving to a new location? We all have our plans, and they're all very good things. There's no denying that. There are things in our lives that we look forward to, just like Mary was looking forward to her engagement and marriage and children with Joe. So let me also ask you this morning, what are God's purposes for your life? Now, that's a tougher question because we don't really know the details of that. But could it possibly be different? Could it be that he has plans for you to move in a totally different direction than you had planned? That happened to me when I was 20 years old. Graduated from high school, worked, or went to a year of a junior college, and then I went to the university I wanted to go to in aviation. I was going to be a pilot, no doubt about it. And God closed that door, chained it, and welded it shut. <laughs> Boom. And I prayed to God, well, God, if you don't want me doing that, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to be a pastor. And I said, but God, if you don't want me to be a pilot, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I want you in the pastorate. I kicked against the goads, as Paul would say. It was like, no, 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 no. I, I, no, I don't like being up in front of people. I had a hard time in speech 101. But that was God's intention for me. And there has been favor in that. I've enjoyed it. It's been good. When Lisa and I start, started dating, She had grown up in a pastor's home, and she had vowed to herself never to marry a pastor. (laughs) True story, right? So we start dating, and she says, so what are you going to do with your life? "Uh, I'm going to be a pastor. Oh, dear God, no. (laughs) But we found favor in that. God has blessed it. So we get to this junction in our thinking and our lives where we have all of our purposes and plans, and, and God will come to you and I and say, hold on. That's not a bad thing, but I've got something better for you, and it's going to shift you in your focus. And that's what Mary discovered. Number two, notice in your notes, God's purposes are always revealed in His time and place, not ours. These shifts are sudden. You see that in verse 27. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph Joseph. To the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. He just showed up. And it was shocking to her. Mary is a virgin at this time. She had never hooked up. She'd never been a friend with benefits. She had never slept with a man before. She was betrothed and engaged to this carpenter guy, and her mind was totally filled with all, of, all that would mean for her. We have a young couple here at Trinity who is engaged in getting married this December. And in talking with them, I I will guarantee you, they are excited about that. And their whole focus is the wedding, right? Just as it should be. The last thing on their minds would be doing something different. And that was true for Mary. And yet Gabriel comes to her and says, Mary, God is your wedding planner, not you. And he has a few changes for the day. So, what do we do? when those curveballs come across the plate of our lives? Well, if we're wise, we will do what Mary did. We will be careful to leave room for God to interrupt us and and reroute us as He so pleases. In fact, we find James admitting this in his book in the New Testament. Take a look at this. James 4.13 says, "'Come now, you who say, "'Today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town "'and we'll spend a year there and trade and make a profit.'" yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, notice this, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Notice the key points. Let's leave this up there for a second if we can. Number one, we don't know the future. Would you agree with that? We don't know the future. Only God does. Number two, we don't know how long our life will be on this earth. Would you agree with that? That's an easy thing to agree to. Compared to God's permanence in eternity, he says you're like the dew on the morning grass. You're like that thin coat of, of water on your car when you come out in the morning, and it's just kind of sitting there from the overnight dew. He said your life is that fast. It's that quick. It's that, that unknown. So knowing these things, how should it alter our lives? What should we do with this? And the answer is simple. Live for God's will and God's purposes, not ours. That's the permanent, that's the perfect thing. So it begins to shift the way we look at things. This is one of the basic principles of the Christian life, that we are here not to please ourselves, but to please God. We are servants of the living God. Paul writes this in in the book of Romans chapter 8, one of these really fun, great passages. Take a look here. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us In our weakness, we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us who groans with words uh, that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. So God is searching our hearts, examining our motives, examining our thoughts, examining our purposes, and he knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. And notice the next phrase in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called again to what? To His purpose. So the Holy Spirit who indwells us knows the mind of God. God knows our own hearts. He searches them. The Spirit of God prays to God for what? Not for what you and I want to accomplish, but for what God wants to accomplish in us, for His will and for His purpose. So the whole setting of following God really is that the Holy Spirit intercedes with God for God's purpose and will, and all of the good that God works out in our lives is for His purpose and will, not necessarily ours. So this mindset is really, really important for us, and this is what Mary was wrestling with in that moment. Thirdly, Luke tells us that God's purposes can seem disturbing, puzzling, and frightening at first in contrast to ours. Look at verses 28 through 33 in your text. Gabriel comes to her, and he says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now let me pause for a second. How many of you would like to have that said of you? Greetings, O favored one, God is with you. When I read that this week, it was like, Oh, gosh, that's what I want to hear that I have favor from God, that he's with me in this life. Because doesn't that make a difference in how we live? If I am favored with God, nothing else really matters. He will take care of me. And so Gabriel says to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And her response is to be greatly troubled, deeply upset at the saying, What are you talking about? And says so she tried to discern what sort of greeting it might this be. And the angel tells her, don't be afraid, for you again have found favor with God. And then he describes what's going to happen to her. This shift, this curveball over her plate. And three things are going on in Mary's heart and mind. First of all, she is this deeply disturbed, literally greatly troubled. She's genuinely puzzled by it because it says she tried to discern what was going on. And she's fearful of what this is going to mean for her. And honestly, people, when God does something like this in your life and mine, these are the same emotions you will feel. Because it's natural to want what we want, but suddenly God says, this is what you need. So it it caused her to have these vague worries and panicked concerns. It might have been simply the fact that she thought, what am I going to tell my folks? Hey, I'm pregnant. How did that happen? Well, God did it. What am I going to tell Joe, right? He's not going to understand this, not in our culture. Maybe it was simply the suddenness of the angel's appearance. I mean, how many times do you have one of God's heavenly warriors show up in your bedroom? But whatever the source of her fears were, they began to fall away as she began to understand that God was favoring her. God was favoring Mary. What is favor? It's important that we grasp that this morning. So if we look at it biblically, it's simply this. It is a kindness that is far beyond what is normal or usual. So, Think about that for a minute. Favor is a kindness from someone that is far beyond what is normal or usual. Let me show you what that means. I have a Chick-fil-A card with me this morning. And uh, it says, be our guest. It's good for uh, any of their entrees. So there you go. Do you like Mm Chick-fil-A? You do. Okay, that's good. So that's a kindness, isn't it? It's something she didn't expect this morning. It was beyond what was normal or expected. In fact, here, here's another one. You probably, is this family here? Okay, so you got two sandwiches. Isn't that great? So a kindness that is far, in fact, you know what? You probably want to take a friend. There you go. All right. And she can tell where this is going, right? So there's a fourth <laughs> one there. Kindness that is far beyond what is normal or expected. In fact, you know what? Here's a, a card for a platter there, all right? So you got entrees and a platter. There you go. Make sure and connect with her after the service. She now has a whole audience of friends. <laughs> Kindness, favor. You didn't come expecting that this morning, did you? No, okay. All right. By the way, it always pays to sit toward the front. (laughs) I don't have time to make it to the back. God says to Mary, I have a kindness toward you. And it's going to be far beyond what is normal or expected, Mary. You're going to be blessed by this. This is going to be good for you, even though it's this huge shift from what you've been expecting. What was the favor to Mary? The kindness. Well, if you look in the text, you see that he describes her as becoming the mother of the Messiah. Now, every young Jewish woman at this period in history, it's recorded, really thought, could I be the one? Because everybody was looking for a Messiah. At the time of Jesus' uh, life, there had been 30 different Messiahs who had stood up and said, I am the one. And one by one, they were knocked off. So there was this expectation that the Messiah would come, this King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And God said to her, Look, I'm going to disrupt your normality with something that is far beyond what you understood, but it's going to be this fantastic upgrade in expectations and reality. You're going to move from being a a young teen bride married to a local tradesman in a tiny Middle Eastern town and, and saddled with poverty and hardship for the rest of your life. I'm going to move you to worldwide status acclaim and you're going to be the mom of the son of God. Folks, this is like going from the back of the plane in row 32 next to the bathroom to the very front of the plane in first class. It's this shift of, wow, I never, I never could have expected that. Lisa and I flew back from Montana in row 31, right? And the bathroom's right there, and everybody's constantly going by. Wow, it would have been nice to have been back up front. It's like going from eating blue box uh, mac and cheese to dining out at Outback Steakhouse, right? It's this upgrade. Favor is this gift from God, a unique privilege that he delights to give. So if you're here this morning saying, gosh, I would love to have the favor of God. I'd love to have him do something so much greater in my life, so much far beyond my normal expectations, something good. I want that for me. Well, interestingly enough, this same phrase used of Mary and Luke is repeated for you and I in Ephesians 1. You might hold your place in Luke 1. Go to Ephesians 1, and I want to read for you verses 3 through 10. This is uh, the New American Standard uh, Bible version, by the way. It begins, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed... By the way, that is the word Favored. We see it actually a little later in the translation. "...who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places." There's nothing left over in heaven waiting for you to be blessed with other than heaven itself. "...even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless, perfect before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will." to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has favored us in the beloved, in Christ in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished, I love that word he lavished it upon us in all of his wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will and notice again according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. This is God's purposeful favor for you and I. To give us all these things. To rip us out of Satan's control. Out of the darkness of our past. To forgive us completely. To enable us with the Holy Spirit. To gift us with spiritual gifts. To bring peace and grace and joy and mercy into our lives. All of these things that you can't get on your own. God says, I want to do this for you. I want to give it to you. Luke, as he writes this, didn't know that that would be written in in Paul's writings in Romans. But what he did know was that it had already been mentioned in the Old Testament in terms of what he was offering Mary. Look at Isaiah 7. We'll put this on the screen for you. There's this parallel between Isaiah 7 and Luke 1. Isaiah writes, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Luke says, Gabriel was sent with that sign. You will become pregnant as a virgin. Isaiah 7 says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Luke says the same thing. Isaiah says, you will call his name God with us. Luke says, you'll call his name Jesus, the Savior. So Luke speaks of this greatness of God's purposes through this favored gift to Mary of the Messiah in verses 32 and 33. And I want you to look at all of the ands there, A-N-D-S, ands. So look back in the text, verses 32 and 33, and, and Luke says this. Look, Mary, here's the favor. Your son is going to be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Your child is going to be this person. And the Old Testament resonates with the greatness of the person and deity of the Messiah. I've given you three passages on your notes. I want to just put them on the screen briefly because the Old Testament was replete with this favor. Of what God would do for people. So Isaiah 9 says, The people who walked in darkness, who is that? That's me and you before we know Christ. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, his name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. That's the message to Mary. Big shift from a young teenager married to a tradesman. 2 Samuel 7 goes on to say, the Messiah will rule in the lineage of King David over the Jewish people. It says, now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture from following the sheep that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went. And I've cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. That's Jesus. Who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever again. This incredible act of favor to Mary. And finally, in Daniel 7, one of my favorite Old Testament passages the Messiah is going to rule over all nations. He'll rule over the United States and China and Russia and all the rest of the world's nations. It says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. Jesus' favorite name for himself. The son of man there came one like a son of man. He came to the ancient of days was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples nations languages should serve him and his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. What a massive upgrade for Mary but you notice her response. She says how can that happen? How is this going to happen? Childbirth always requires a guy and a gal. I'm still very clearly a virgin. And this this puzzled Mary. And so Luke gives us one final piece to the puzzle. He says, God welcomes our uncertainties, but he insists we not underestimate his abilities. We see that in verses 34 through 38. God welcomes our uncertainties. If you're here this morning going, I'm not so sure I want God meddling with my life. Kind of like the way things are. Well, if you are going to experience the favor of God, you must follow the path of God. There is no alternative to that. Verses 34 through 38, Mary says to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? I don't understand the mechanics. And the angel answered her, Well, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For, for nothing is impossible with God. Theologians ponder as to whether or not it was at that moment that she became pregnant with Jesus, the Son of God. We don't know. The language is very graphic of what the Holy Spirit will do. It may have happened right there, but then Mary says, verse 38, behold, I'm the slave of God. I'm the servant of God. Let it be to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. So notice that Mary didn't disbelieve the message. Her, Her question was not how it can work out. It's or can it work out? It was how can it work out? She says to herself, it's not going to be of any value to take a pregnancy test after this conversation. It's going to be negative. I'm a virgin. And she tries to discern it. But her answer is what we need to notice. We know that today Mary is known by many as um, the Blessed Virgin. Virgin. And it's often thought she's blessed because she had the Son of God. But God himself says, no, that isn't the reason. It was because she trusted and obeyed. God says, with with God, nothing is impossible. And notice he gives her two illustrations. The first illustration is that God can supernaturally create life apart from everyday natural processes. So, verse 35 The Holy Spirit comes on you, the power of the Most High. The child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. God can supernaturally create life, even if you don't use a natural process. He is the God with whom nothing is impossible. And secondly, he says, God can supernaturally create life apart from failed natural resources and processes. Elizabeth, your relative, your cousin, in her old age, whatever that might have been for their culture, has also conceived a son in the sixth month with her who was called barren. So Elizabeth's condition is so persistent and, and so prolonged that everyone in town had a nickname for her, the sterile one. It was impossible. Her family and friends looked at her and they said, I'm sorry, there's nothing that can be done. We wish we could change this. We prayed for you, but nothing's happening. The medical community looked on and they said, you know, shrugging their collective shoulders there's nothing we can do to change this and yet what seemed impossible to them was possible for god it was conceivable and that's hard for us as human beings right because we look at natural processes and we say everything comes from something this church that we are sitting in came from steel and concrete and wood and stucco that's a normal process we agree with that that makes sense if you build a large Lego force, it comes from tiny plastic blocks. And that makes a lot of sense. If, if we have a ham and cheese sandwich, it comes from ham and cheese, right? But God doesn't have to have the basic building blocks. It's never been a problem for him. He created the reproductive system. And he says, look, if I want to, with all of its wonder, mystery, and complexity, I can create a child in your womb. And that's what I'm going to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he looks at Elizabeth and he says, I created the stars and moons and and sun in their paths. I fixed the laws of nature in their courses. I can reset a failed natural process so that this woman can have a child. So it wasn't how could God do this? It was how would God do this? And would she agree? This Christmas season, God wants to invade your space and mine. And he wants to take your agenda, your purposes and plans for your life, and he wants to shift them in such a way that you will find true fortune, true blessing in your life because he is doing something greater that he knows will be good for you. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who, are, who love him and are called according to his purpose. I want you to notice that Mary changed her identity from Joe's fiancé to God's slave. Do with me whatever you want. I am your servant. The word there is doula, slave. And I hope Joseph agrees with me. And you know the rest of the story for her. It was because she obeyed God that she is called blessed. We know that because years later, Jesus uh, was in a crowd, they were following him, and a woman shouted out, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. Blessed is Mary, because she had you. And he he responds, no, no. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. Jesus knew where favor came from. We're going to celebrate communion in just a few moments, but I think the message of Mary, her voice to us, would say, be prepared. God wants to do something new and fresh with you to set aside some of what you're planning, some of what you're thinking, and take you to a whole new world of favor and blessing and living for the kingdom of God. I'd encourage you just at this point to Come and get a cup of communion if you haven't done so yet. There's also some in the back. And as you're doing that, would you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. And I'd like to make this the focus of our uh, communion this morning. So Ephesians chapter 1. we're going to look at verses 3 and following. And, And as we do, would you think about one of the ways that God has favored you? In all of this passage, what is it that stands out to you? You go, gosh, that truly is kindness above and beyond the normal or what I might have expected from God. So let me read this again for us slowly. And I want to emphasize a little bit of the favor that God has given us. But would you pick one of them? that you can thank God for while we take communion. Okay? So we're going to read this, pick something out that really resonates with your heart, and then we'll celebrate communion together. So here we go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, blameless, perfect before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, which was according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the purchase back from Satan to belong to God, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. What is it that resonates with you that God has done for you, the favor he has shown you this morning? Let's take a minute and thank him for that. We're going to have just... A few moments of silent prayer, and then we'll celebrate communion. So would you bow your heads, and let's think about that. Tell God, God, I am so thankful you favored me with, and whatever that is. Heavenly Father, I am personally thankful that you have redeemed me from the power of Satan, that I don't belong to him anymore. I am not under his control or influence. You have given me a whole new power to live life. Thank you for that. Amen. Jesus gave us this tradition, this picture back into the moment of his last supper where he said, this is the bread. It represents my body that is broken for you. And as often as you take this bread, eat it in remembrance of me. Taking the cup. He said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. You're not under under Moses anymore, you're under Christ. And as often as you take this cup and drink of it, remember me. Amen. Hey, two quick announcements. One is about today. Kim Simons asked if we would uh, ask any of you individuals, guys, gals who have strong backs, we need to get the piano off the stage to the floor. I talked to Bill about this. He said, we've done it every year. So we need about 15 people who would be willing to come on up and help manage that. So if your insurance is up to date <laughs> and you'd like to help, we would love to have your help. Secondly, and this is uh, about the year to come, and I'm, I'm personally really excited about this. I'd like to share with you news of uh, a campaign here at Trinity to elim- eliminate all church debt. That came up at our last town hall meeting, and we're going to begin this campaign uh, in earnest early next year. Uh, The leaders of the Debt-Free Campaign have already begun organizing uh, and uh, developing a strategy uh, for the elimination of all Trinity debt by December of 2024. Yeah, praise God. Wouldn't that be amazing? So you're going to hear a lot more about this uh, in the new year, but the reason I mention it today is um, We recognize that some of you may want to use uh, some of the year-end tax-giving advantages uh, for yourself, and if that is you, you can make your intentions known uh, uh, by a notation on your check or on a church uh, envelope or just talking to Scott Clayton. Uh, Also, starting today, every Sunday, uh, from here on out, we will have a member of the Debt-Free Trinity Campaign at the Start Here booth. Today it's Bill Bunnell, and if you have any questions about it, they would be happy to talk to you, especially if you want to be a part of a lead gift for that campaign. He would be happy to talk to you. And, of course, all of your identities and, and amounts are going to be held in strict confidence. Uh, so while for the remainder of the year, what is most important is general fund and Advent conspiracy, we just want to let you know that we're going to start this campaign in, Jan- in January. And uh, God willing, we will be able to end the year without any debt to this church And uh, that will free up some amazing resources for us to move forward. So having said that, let me pray to close the service. And if you need prayer, uh, please do come on forward. We will have people here to pray with you. Oh, that's right. So if you want to stick around for the next service. Thank you, Bill. We do need it up here. Gosh. All right. So erase from your memory banks what I said about the first one. Or stick around. Thank you, Bill. I thought I heard a voice over here. It's like, all right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, the way that you favor us, that you uh, exemplify that in Mary's life. And I'm so thankful. She just stepped back and said, oh, this is so different than my plans, but God, I trust you and uh, I'm going to obey. And what a difference that makes for us today when we sense you doing something different in our lives that forces us more toward the kingdom, more toward the gospel, more toward dedication and service to you, that uh, we can entrust, say, God, I do trust you. Your favor is always good. Um, I will obey and become your servant and slave. God, take us from here today with a renewed vigor for the gospel and Jesus and the Christmas season. Thank you that we could be here together to celebrate. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.